So I'm back. Yay. Your queen, the queen of podcasting is back, honey. And it's so nice uh, to be back. I miss this mic. I miss this space. And most of all, I miss talking to you guys. I'm really happy to be back. I hope y'all are happy to hear me again in real time or you know, in modern time, (laughs) because it feels like it's been so long since I've uploaded before. And, you know, those other episodes feel ancient in a way. So I'm glad to be back and, you know, handing out new insights, new wisdom, all these things I've learned from my break, because it was much needed, child. The weekly uploads was really, especially like, with everything else I was going through behind the scenes, which I'll get more into in this season. Um, It was just too much and I just had to go, child. But yeah, I'm back to reclaim my throne, (laughs) period. And I want to thank all of y'all, all of my people who subscribe, you know, all of my people who put me in your libraries, you know, for rocking with me to y'all and all my new listeners. I really hope that y'all enjoy this season that I have cooked up because it gets juicy, you know, as I love saying. It gets really introspective, you know, it gets personal because for this season, I really wanted to be more transparent. And not that I wasn't transparent before, but really explicitly state this is what I have been through, (laughs) you know? And I know in the other episodes I've said like, yeah, I've been through it. Everything I've been through, well, everything I talk about, I go through and then I bring it here. But I want to get more into it. I want to, you know, open up the curtains and let y'all more into me because I know I be feeling like I'm open, but a lot of people read me as mysterious. (laughs) So I'm going to try and dismantle the mystery this season. Let's get it. So um, also, not only introspective and personal, it gets joyful. You know, this podcast is about healing the inner child. You can't do that without joy, honey. (laughs) You can't do that without your shine. You can't do that without your sun. You can't do that without tapping into happiness and joy and your true inner expression. And don't worry, I'll teach you how to do that explicitly, but also internally and remove internal blockages so that you can do it more easily. Yay. (laughs) But I really say joyful to say that there is joy on the other side of healing. You know, look at me. My last episode, I was kind of (laughs) dead. You know, I just remember feeling that I don't know if I sounded like it. I don't know, child. But I just remember the last episode, I didn't, it wasn't even going to be the last episode. (laughs) I was just like, yo, I have to stop. And then it became the last episode, you know? I was able to reclaim my joy, come back into joy. And it just really solidifies so much more. Just there is joy on the many other sides of healing, you know, because it's not linear and it's not an event. It's a process, honey. So on the many other doors of healing, the many other levels of healing, there is joy. And for me, 
I'm grateful if I send you even in the right direction to the door to get to the joy. You know, if I allow you to put your hand on the knob, you know, if I'm able to at least make you take one step in the right direction as a resource, then I've done my job, you know? And, you know, if you feel like, okay, she's cool, but she's not my cup of tea, I'm gonna go, you know, find something else. That's good too. Because literally, if I just made you turn your head to the right, (laughs) you know, and then maybe to the left to see, hmm, am I supposed to go over there? And then I turn your head right back to the right. I've done my job and I'm really grateful to be able to do so and just have this podcast and my additional content be some in some way in the smallest minuscule way a catalyst you know in helping you get there then I'm grateful so who am I I am Nicole Heels. That person is a spiritualist who speaks about all things healing and guides people on their journeys, especially when it comes to healing the inner child. You know, so if you were guided here, just know it's for a reason. And I welcome you into my healing community. Hello. Stand up and say your name. Yes to the screen. I feel like I'm so laughy because I'm happy to be back. This podcast is one of my many facets of spreading and exploring healing. And it's called the Healing Corner because I want y'all to come here and feel cozy. You know, I want it, wherever you're listening, I want it to feel like, you know, those late night radio shows with the guy with a deep voice. And, you know, he was... um playing, you know, the soft R&B and the jazz and it was probably raining or he had rain sounds going on. And, you know, just like that, because because I want y'all to feel safe enough to open up to these topics, you know, to be real, because they are heavy, you know, and they do bring a lot of insight. They may judge up, you know, some emotions And you may have to pause it a couple times, come back to, you may have to turn off one episode and be like, yo, I'm not ready for that one yet, (laughs) but you still like me. So you tune into another episode, but then come back to the trigger episode when you're ready. And that's fine too. You know, I've done that with a couple books. (laughs) So I want y'all to feel safe to open up. And I know how important it is to have a gentle, welcoming hand when it comes to teaching, you know, and talking about these things, but also when it comes to receiving and listening to these topics, you know, and trying to incorporate them into your life, you know. So shout out to you for trying to do that. And I hope that I can deliver a welcoming space. So feel free to grab your wipe. You know, grab your light colors, your comfortable PJs, your bonnet, mm-hmm, and your funny sock, fuzzy socks, your messy buns. Put on a face mask and bring your water like I have. If you're listening to this, you know, on the podcast, just want to let you know I am recording for YouTube. So if you want to see me and how cute I look, <laughs> head over to YouTube. Um, Yeah, I'll be waiting. <laughs> Grab your tea, your coffee, and even a little wine, child, and 
get to share space in our respective healing corners because I'm in my healing corner, you know, my bookcase. I have my books here. I love a nook. I love a book. (laughs) So yeah, join me in that. If you would like to donate to this podcast and to me in general as a creator, teacher, and a guide, you can send donations to my cash app, dollar sign N-I-C-C-C-1. I no longer have Venmo. If you would like to make reoccurring donations, there is the listener support option on where this podcast is housed. That is anchor.fm slash Nicole Heels, and the button should be visible. You can also subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Nicole Heels, and set up a monthly um, subscription for $4.44 a month. Or higher, you know, if you want to, you know, zig into your your bag a little bit more. That is definitely greatly appreciated, honey. <laughs> you can also send a one-time donation there as well. And also on my Patreon, there are additional treats. You know, read some of my articles that I put up there, my journal prompts that I have there for subscribers. Lastly, if you would like to make a non-monetary donation to the podcast and to me in general, be sure to rate it. If the podcast medium you're listening to has the option, rate it, leave a comment, talk about how it changed your life oh so dearly. It helps me in a big way to expand my reach by a few simple clicks on your part. But also following my socials, Instagram is at Nicole.Heels. Um, you know, and DM me, tag me, post the podcast and tag me in it. Tag me in your story. That would be lit. I love when y'all do that. My Twitter is at Nicole Heels. You know, also tag me on there as well. If you feel so inclined to, you know, post my podcast because it's popping. Yeah. Also, simply by sharing this podcast with friends and family someone, an acquaintance that, you know, is, you know, getting into their spiritual woo-woo shit and you feel like this podcast would help them. (laughs) Um, You know, it helps me in a big way and it warms my heart, which is a big plus. So thank you so very much in advance. And now let's get into this identity crisis, honey, (laughs) that your girl has been going through. So For this episode and this season in general, like I said, I want to get more personal, you know, so that y'all can get some insight into me and, you know, I'm not so mysterious, but also so that you can truly see that you're not alone, you know, that you're not the only one going through this. And you're especially not the only one with the tinfoil hat on. (laughs) (laughs) going through emotionally seeming crazy, thinking you're crazy, looking crazy to other people that may not really know what's going on. While also you're gaining all these new insights and your mind is expanding and you're crying more and you're crying at the drop of a dime and you're getting so emotional and so sensitive and you feel crazy. Because honestly, healing is like an emotional roller coaster. To be real, (laughs) And when you're going through it and you may go through it alone, you know, the other people around you really may not understand because they're not also going through it. It can feel like you're the only one who's experiencing this emotional roller coaster, who's experiencing these healing symptoms, you know, 
And I really just want to let y'all know that I have my tinfoil hat on too. <laughs> and there's just so many people in this healing community that also have their hats on, that are also tuned in, honey, that also got their pots on their head. <laughs> and also are noticing the exact same things that you are. And that's really why I emphasize social media. You know, I sh- we should create a hashtag. What should it be? You know what? I was going to say THC pod, you know, the healing corner. But like THC. <laughs> so I'm like, should I make it an acronym? THCWNH pod? Or, you know, like if you have an idea feel free to ZM me, feel free to tag me in your idea and it will be greatly appreciated because I just cannot understand. I can't rack my brain on what it should be. But that's why I emphasize social media so that y'all can find each other. You know, you can find like-minded people, people that are going through the same thing that you're also going through and, you know, follow each other, become acquaintances with each other, you know, send each other healing stuff meet um make a friend who knows you may even meet a soulmate and not just a romantic soulmate i honestly i don't even be talking about romantic soulmates now that i talk about soulmates because child 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 okay i'll get into that in another episode but you know you may find a friend soulmate you know get into it connect and send me your hashtag ideas because i need them child But yeah, we're all going through, and there are so many people that are going through the exact same thing that you are as well. And just to reiterate that or further iterate that, I want to talk about what I've been going through and have been going through not only just for a minute, consciously for a minute, but unconsciously since literally the start of my healing journey. And that is having an intentional identity crisis, you know? And as the episode goes on, you'll see exactly what I mean. But I say, I put the word intentional in there because like at the very most, it is a crisis. But at the very least, it is just a change, you know? But I don't want to scare y'all with the word crisis. But There is panic that goes into it, you know, because everything that you ever kind of known is changing. But you'll see as you heal and change that that's actually not all you've ever known, that you know some other things, you know, that you know some more things. And that's honestly, I'll get into this more, but that's what pain does. It convinces you that it is all that you know and all you will ever need to know. And that ultimately, that's a state of survival. Mm-hmm. And so when you heal, you get out of that state of survival. And you know, a lot of us have started our healing journey at rock bottom you know, in a panic, knowing that like, yo, I don't know what has to shake, but something has got to shake and it got to shake quickly or else. (laughs) And I say or else jokingly, but like, honestly, 
<laughs> it really do be or else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it'd be or else because like, we just can't keep going like it's going, you know? So it really do be or else. And so to move on, I know that when we go through healing, you know, we know that something has to change and we advocate for that change, but we don't really know what that change entails. So for me, having an identity crisis is not necessarily something that I picked out. (laughs) You know, it's not something that I like special ordered from the chef. It's not something, you know, that I asked for healing with a side of loss of identity. But also, with even a side of loss of anything, when I came into healing, and I feel like when a lot of us come into this space of, like, being open to heal, you know, because we've been broken down, child, for so long, and it's come to a head, we just know that we want our feeling to change. We want to stop feeling the way that we do. You know, but we don't really know how that is going to happen. But we just know, yo, I'm down on my knees, child, and something got to (laughs) shake. But as we heal, I feel like for most of us, we don't really understand how loss encompasses healing, you know, how loss surrounds healing. And it's the ultimate side dish. You know, it's the drink. It's in the condiments. You know, it's in the salt and pepper that surprises us each and every time. You know, it's a byproduct of healing that over time we get used to. And so we go through all this loss that going into healing, we may not have intended to happen or truly understand just how much loss we would have to go through in order to heal, you know? And so during healing, we have to learn to get used to losing friends. Mm-hmm. We got to get learn to get used to losing interests in a lot of things that captivated our attention before. We don't resonate with, we find we don't resonate with certain people anymore. We find that with certain friends and certain people in our lives, the dynamics have to change. You know, the components of our relationship has to change because I'm not that same person anymore. And it comes to a point where we're like, yo, This change, it's inevitable. It has to happen, you know? And if you can stay, cool. But if you can't, then honestly, like, bye. Because I I just can't take this anymore. I can't take being this person anymore or being this way anymore. And you'll see exactly how our identity leads to or I don't know the word right now but leads to our um reality you know and how our identity enforces our reality enforces a certain reality you know because look at it like this if your identity unconsciously you are 
a sort of mule, you know, where you're always saying yes to everyone. You're letting people ride on your back, literally. <laughs> you know, you're um, a yes man. You put people before you put yourself first. And this is not to drag. This is just, you know, objectively saying that you are a people pleaser. Because, like, also, I was a mule, too. You know, mule, former mules unite. <laughs> but say you got this specific mule wound on your shoulder, you know, you may meet other people that have that mule wound on their shoulder. But think of it like a puzzle, Y'all are going to be the same puzzle piece. So, like, while y'all may be cool and friends, they're not going to be the person that really completes the dynamic. You know, the person who completes the mule dynamic is the taker. Mm-hmm. Is the receiver. Is the person that would rather you be a mule, has a certain wound, that complements the wound on, on your shoulder, the wound on the side of their hip, you know? And it, as a puzzle piece, it goes right together with allowing you to run yourself down, expecting you to run yourself down, making you think that it's your duty to run yourself down, you know? You in your identity, you in a, as a person, you as a woman, you know, you and your gender, you and your age, you and your dynamic in the relationship that they have with you. Because to them in their wound, they need to be at a certain place in this power dynamic. And they need it to be a power dynamic in general. They need your relationship to be a power dynamic. They need you to be a mule. They need you to be down and lower than them in some way so that they can always swoop in to help. You know? So that they can swoop in and um, carry out the contents of their wound carry out the contents of their identity. Mm -hmm. And so those are the people, whether they overtly, you know, whether y'all overtly have that dynamic or not, those are the people that you will have to lose or at least something will have to rupture and change your relationship so that not your identity can change. But like also, yeah, so that your identity can change because right now they're reinforcing your old identity and they're reinforcing this old, very big wound that you felt was you, you know, that you feel is you. Same to go for me personally, I was a victim. I was very mad at the world, very hurt at the world, very heartbroken. And in order to stay a victim, I had to stay in that mad, heartbroken, sad place. And I had to attract people. And I say, this is what I mean when I say attract, you know, objectively, not as a way to judge. You know, I'm, child, I'm never going to be a person to judge. Imagine, imagine if this whole podcast. 
Imagine if this whole podcast was like me just judging people. That would be so bad. But child, <laughs> some people do. When I say attract, I don't mean it in the social media way where people, men say to women and even women say to other women and just people that are agents of the matrix say to people that they attracted violence towards them. I will never, ever, ever, ever align with that mentality. But I mean it in a way of how energy works. You know, if you have a wound here, it's going to suit and be a perfect puzzle piece for the person that um, has a wound there. And energetically, y'all are going to come together because you're attracting each other. You know, you're like magnets. Um, And of course, you know, it's not your fault. You know, because I know a lot of us, as we go through our healing journey, we feel faulted for even having wounds that we never asked for in the first place. And a lot of people try to make us feel like we asked for it in some way, especially the people that did it to us as a way to fight accountability. But I'm here to tell y'all, mm-mm, that ain't true. And I hope that you really stay and engage in my work. You know, if this is your first time here, listen to a couple other episodes from the last season because I really put y'all up on game. And on energetic game. And this game will help you really see through people and gain autonomy within yourself so that you don't have to rely on other people acting right in order for you to live a life that you deserve, which is a life, of course, like perfect life would be without pain, but like we can't escape pain, but which is a life with minimized pain. Yeah. And so speaking of our wounds, speaking of our pain that is reliant on an identity that believes in a very specific way that you are supposed to go through this pain or you're supposed to act in this painful way, then it's going to create a reality in which that pain has room to happen. You know, and this is why we got to heal. And specifically, this is why we got to go through an identity crisis, honey. (laughs) And so we lose interest. We lose things. We lose people. We don't go in the shade room in the morning no more. We don't go to the shade room the first time we wake up because like, you know, it don't feel good no more to judge people. It's not in our interest to keep up with other people's lives like that. And you'll go through all this loss, which causes change, you know, a change in style and dress where you feel like you want to wear more color and you don't want to just wear dark colors anymore. You know, you want to show, you want to glow, you want to show your glow, you know, or if you feel like you've been so, you know, colorful and so dramatic and so like externally glowing but you want to rein it in a little bit, you may, you know, start incorporating more neutrals and more dark colors in your wardrobe, you know, to suit your mood. And even the way that we speak and communicate, you know, you may feel like your voice, which was once way high pitched, 
because you're so amped and you're so la la la. Like I used to have may go an octave. Is that the right word? An octave? I don't know. All my all my singers, let me know <laughs> if I got that right. But may go a level lower because you're more grounded, you know, and you're more at peace within. And you don't feel like you need to be up here and be so amped and be so anxious. Because that's also something that I recognized as well in myself. Mm. But, you know, you go through a change in all of these things that ultimately created your reality at some point, like I said, you know, and over time, it's like a slow burn where we feel and see and perceive the changes But we don't realize that we, as a person, our identity is also changing, you know? Like, we are truly moving away from what once made us, us, you know? The friendships that once shaped us, the music that once touched and shaped our lives, the relationships with people that we once relied on to make us, us, you know, to be a person, the people that we once leaned on to, to carry out this wound on our shoulder, the person with the wound on their hip who liked being leaned on, who to be leaned on, it made them feel helpful and it made them feel like they mattered. And so now they depend on people leaning on them and they may facilitate people leaning on them. They may unconsciously sabotage other people so that they will lean on them. And this is friends. This is romantic relationships, but also best believe anything I talk about, you can relate it to parent and childhood. And the parent and child dynamic and helicopter parents, parents who hover, but also sabotage their child's development so that the child will always need them. Yeah, child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It gets gets like that. Child, child, child. But also something about healing that I... And I feel like a lot of people don't realize is what I was getting at in the beginning is that we will dead ass move away from our pain. (laughs) And I know like that's the goal, but like, yeah, we intend for this. We go after this. And this is a very reason a lot of us start our journeys, but I don't really think we under and understand that we will also have to lose our pain. Yes, the pain that once made us, us. You know, because pain is intertwined. It's like the glue in the middle of everything that we quote unquote attracted, you know, that formed this new identity and acted as armor to hide the soft, gooey, and extremely vulnerable parts of us that were deeply hurt, you know, and are now deeply afraid and have been, you know, because they've been in pain. And as we've lived in that old identity, 
you know, and that old world and that old reality that we've created out of our pain and our identity being our pain. So then we live in a, in a painful world and a painful reality. The glue was being bonded stronger and stronger. And on the flip side, as we heal, the glue softens. And as we step out of those patterns and intentionally step out of that world, of that reality, of that identity, and of that way of being, we weaken the bonds of that glue. You know, the pain becomes less and less scary because we're actually intentionally interacting with it, you know, and it's making the iceberg melt. It's making that big, dark monster be pushed into the light and grow smaller and smaller. So much so, I just got this image, so much so that the shadow shrinks. You realize it's a shadow because you've only seen the outline of it and it's been scary. And you move it so far into the light that you see it's simply you. It's simply your small inner child that you've hid in the back, that you've been scared of, these parts of you that you've hid from the world, you'll come to see that it's only you. Mm. You'll come to see that it's only you. And it hurts less. (laughs) And we drudge up the courage to embrace that self, to embrace that child and move away from that pain because that pain is also not that child. That child was in pain, but it is not the child. And move away from it into something new, into knowing something else. Because a lot of us, all we know is pain. You know, all we know is disappointment. All we know is hurt. All we know is that feeling of being let down. You know? And honestly, it's time to know something new. And I had to come into the realization, you know, to the fact that a lot of my pain made me, me. A lot of all that old stuff that I knew made me me. Like on two fronts, it both pushed me away from my true self and true way of being while also giving me a new identity to assume that came out of that exact pain. You know, and in that way, it generated a world in which it could survive. It interacted with itself. You know, my pain centered itself and made itself my foundation. And then because that was my foundation, it allowed a new identity, a new ego that could come and protect me. And the part of me that was hurt and very vulnerable, and felt unprotected, and was unprotected. It grew out of that foundation and formed a new me. Yeah. 
And all of this is happening, you know, in me, feeling unsafe as my real self, but also generally unsafe because this new identity that I've assumed that's been bred out of pain, the pain, the same pain that was scary and the same pain that left me feeling unprotected. You see, this new identity has come out of the pain. And it's allowed me to assume a certain demeanor in which I could protect myself on all fronts while still being scared, while still being in that pain. And in that way, that pain becomes all that we know. It becomes a shield in front of our eyes. It becomes a reality that we're in and we're stuck in. And we can't see past it. It becomes our new identity. Mm -mm -mm. Mm. And so I assumed a new identity and demeanor where I could protect myself where I could hug myself in and hold myself from the inside out as I was not held and protected and cared for and supported in the ways that I needed from the outside in. It allowed me a comforting clench. You know, it allowed me a a, a, a comforting clench where I was always clenching these parts of myself so that I did not have to feel so vulnerable like I did before. You know, literally, I used to walk clenched down, looking at the sidewalk. And like, honestly, to be real, like, when I made myself stop doing that, I was kind of bummed because, like, the sidewalk is so interesting. <laughs> like, it just is. Like, it just, it never ends. You know, it's 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 free entertainment. It's always something to look at. But I was not looking at it for entertainment purposes, you know? I was looking at it in a way to hide you know, this vulnerable part of ourselves. Because like on a human, you know, innate biological level, our torso and our front, you like our face and torso, it holds our um, vulnerable organs, you know? And so to puff up your chest, that's to show your vulnerable organs and to puff yourself up to try and be bigger than someone, me, you know, because it means that you have confidence. But when you don't have confidence, those shoulders turn down, the heart goes down, you know, it depresses and it allows you to hide yourself more. You know, that's why when it comes to body language, it is body language, but it's also just energy. And your body energetically telling you, it's energy manifesting and your body physically showing you how you're feeling, which is why when you feel defensive, you may lean more back from a person and um, I was going to say hold out your leg, but not hold out your leg, but like step your leg in front of you and 
lean back. You may cross your arms in front of yourself because you want to hide, you know? And that's the new demeanor that my pain gave me, you know? A shell, a way to hide, especially since, like, as a child, I was bullied, you know, by my peers. I was taken advantage of just on a social sense by adults. And at home, I was just always nitpicked. So on multiple fronts, you know, in school, at home, and just in the world where I was around all these adults who would always try to correct me, you know, always nitpicking at me as a way that they showed love and which is so annoying. Oh my gosh. Cause it's like, you can't get away from these adults. You know, they're in your life. And if that's the way that they show love by nitpicking you and always telling you what to do. Oh, but y'all already know how that is y'all. Y'all already know. (laughs) But yeah, I, for me, I closed myself in as a way to comfort but also clenched my insides, you know? And if you've ever clenched, like clenching your hips, you know, if you ever felt, well, if you ever had to hold in your bladder (laughs) for mad long and it's a lot of liquid in there, you know how that feels. And then the release when you're able to go to the bathroom, when you unclench, you either got to do it very slowly Because if you do it fast, it'll hurt. (laughs) And that's like kind of a metaphor as why healing is really a journey. Because if you try to heal everything at once, you might go through a real crisis, (laughs) you know? And that's why identity crises help happen over time, you know? Because we can't just unclench so fast, you know? We have to see and feel how... Even though this clench may be comforting, is it really? We got to come to a point where we question, is it really the best thing for us? Is this aspect of this reality the best thing? You know, is this aspect of my life actually helping me or hindering me and keeping me shy? keeping me in a disturbed place, keeping me in discomfort, even though it's kind of comforting me, keeping me awkward. Because child, that was definitely me. (laughs) Keeping me awkward, keeping me shy, keeping me withdrawn. You know, but it allowed me to sit in in a way that was comforting in my body. That ultimately, as I came into my authenticity, you know, and a more authentic identity and a more authentic vibration, I had to let go. Because to my surprise, you know, like a specific inner surprise, I think they call it panic. (laughs) It became uncomfortable to be this way. This way that I had known All of, or what I thought was all of my life. Imagine that. You know, imagine this thing, your favorite food, not tasting the same. And not only not tasting the same, being nasty. 
imagine like the panic you would literally feel. That's how it felt. My old coping mechanism didn't work the same. (laughs) That can send you into a panic real quick. (laughs) You know, imagine if you smoke and what you smoking isn't hitting the same. And that are the little more intricate aspects of our reality that changes that can trigger us and cause it to be a crisis. You know, because now we don't know where to go. I may not know how to leave my pain. I know that it's leaving me, but I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know what's on the other side of pain. I don't know what is going to be on the other side of this change. You know, all of what I knew was changing and that was very scary. It didn't feel good to be so mad anymore. It actually just felt painful. You know, to be so in pain, it became uncomfortable. For life to be so painful, it became uncomfortable. To be so defensive, to be so anxious all the time, to be so awkward because I didn't know myself and I didn't know how to be. It became uncomfortable to just settle for that, you know, to just settle for not knowing myself. I had to go and search for myself because what was once comfortable wasn't anymore. It wasn't comfortable to be so mad at the world and mad at myself and mad at my pain and mad, mad, mad at my childhood and those girls and those boys that bullied me in elementary school and all the people who nitpicked at me and lunged at me and it felt like I was constantly attacked. And to be so mad at the people who saw me in pain and didn't save me. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it had been uncomfortable to be this way all this time. That also causes a panic. That also causes kind of an existential crisis. Because you're like, yo, what has been happening all this time up in my um, subconscious? Underneath the surface. Well, I thought everything was all handy dandy, but apparently not. That's why you can't heal in one full swoop. Because look at what happens when you think that you're okay and then you learn that you're not. Your whole reality starts to change. Yeah. And so I just ignored it, my pain. Because to me, in my mind and in a lot of our brains, this is how the brain works. It was better than pain. You know, to ignore it, even though I was in pain. (laughs) Because I convinced myself, my brain convinced me, my trauma brain, one of my friends put on their story, their ooga booga trauma brain, (laughs) my ooga booga trauma brain convinced me that being in pain, yet ignoring that reality that I was in pain was better than actually feeling that pain consciously, both that I was currently in and the pain that sent me there in the first place, sent me here in the first place. And that belief stuck for years. 
you know? And if it wasn't for my spiritual journey, I would probably still be there, you know? Because that is what pain does. It warps your mind. Your brain adapts to it because trauma, which I'll get into it in a little more. But also, the pain is familiar. The anxiety is familiar. The anxiety was once there as a coping mechanism. You know, to be so defensive, it helped you stay on guard. You know, at one point, it was your best friend. Because it was drudged up for a reason, for a function. You know, and it stayed that way literally until you could not function like that anymore. And I think that it's really important to come into and really understand how the brain processes trauma. When it comes to pain and trauma, you got to understand there like we're not born in this world knowing it already. You know, there was a first time we experienced it. You know, there was a first time we experienced being shamed and being judged. And that first time was very harmful and dare I say traumatic, you know, for it being the first time was very shocking, shocking to the brain, shocking to the mind, shocking to the body as well. You know, there was the first time we were hit, you know, and when it comes to trauma, when it comes to harm as a way for our brain to cope you know, with the pain that ensues. And then with the ongoing pain, the continuous consecutive pain, you know, done by someone we're supposed to trust, we're supposed to love and that's supposed to love us, but also that we're literally supposed to depend on to survive. To have to go through ongoing trauma with this person. It's very confusing to the mind. And so in order to process that trauma, the best that the brain can do, you know, at that stage and level of development of being a child, but even like it has a lot to do with being a child, but even as an adult going through harm, it's still confusing, you know? It, it it has to do with being a child, but also it has to do with the human brain, just being a human brain and human braining, <laughs> you know? And so in order to deal with it and stop the panic that ensues, you know, the continuous panic, our brain will normalize the pain. It has to pick for something to be right and something to be wrong, you know? And being at the stage of development that we were, being in the vulnerable and sensitive state that we were, and having the tools that we had at the time, which was probably no tools, (laughs) you know? The pain had to be right and we had to be wrong. You know, because also we probably didn't have the language 
of what was right. But also, also, our culture normalized what was wrong. And so just in observing and looking around, we were obviously the wrong ones. We had to be. Mm. And so the pain becomes normalized and we make it part of our subconscious understanding of life and our inner and deeper foundational understanding of it in order to cope. And that coping is in order to ultimately protect ourselves, protect that mushy, gushy, vulnerable part of ourselves by creating a shell of pain and making that pain now our beliefs. Our pain becomes the brick and stone of us in our lives, and it becomes the default constant thing that we start to trust that will happen. While what we knew before, which was joy and rainbows and sunshine, (laughs) I'm playing, but like I'm serious. That life that we had before the pain was a life without pain. You know, a life without that specific pain and specific harm and specific trauma that we went through that affected us in a very personal and specific way. Yeah. And so we began to distrust the rainbow and sunshiny um, version of life, you know, because that first point of pain for us was traumatic. You know, we began to distrust a life that we could actually look forward to because we knew it would not hurt us. We began to make that a lie. And then now our belief is life will hurt us. You'll hear a lot of people say different variations of that. Oh, just deal with it. It happens. That's life. Life is hard. Life is a bitch. It just is. It don't have to be. It definitely don't have to be, you know, and healing can show you that, you know, because this distrust in what our life had been before grows and spreads and the life that we knew becomes obsolete in our minds. And so imagine living with that belief for years, it being solidified for years. You know, that can help you um, understand a lot of the older people, why they feel so stuck in their ways, because they've had this belief festering and seeding and shaping their lives for so much time, you know, and then they'll try to convince you of their beliefs as a way to protect you. Because they had to believe it as a way to protect themselves. Yeah. You know? And so, what was real became a lie. And then what was a lie became our reality. We no longer believed it to be true in order to suit our pain. Because our pain centered itself, if you remember. Because in order to suit our pain, we had to let go 
of what was once real because we just couldn't cope with the fact that what we believed to be real and true and it felt so good could be taken away like that. And we could not cope with the fact of something happening that was the direct opposite of that. Shame, the direct opposite, the ultimate lowering of our vibration. It's the most harmful thing that humans could go through. And it's the direct opposite of joy, of happiness, and of our authentic vibration. And pain, I mean, shame is so traumatic that we will change for it, our whole being, in order to not feel it. Mm-hmm. And so in order to suit our pain, in order to avoid shame, even though it's still riddling our lives, we had to let go of that past life. We had to let go of our vulnerable selves and our real self and put it to the background. But then put this shame self, this self that is made out of an armor that is always trying, always focused on shame and trying to um, miss shame, you know, miss it, dodge it. Yes, that's a good word. We create a whole self that is focused on shame and we hide our real selves and we had to let go of our real selves. You know, whoo, this is, yeah, this is what makes us go crazy. (laughs) But this is the intricate things that go into healing that I really want y'all to understand. It's not so black and white. And a lot of people that are hurt will try to make life black and white because at one point, going back to childhood, life used to be simple until we encountered that harm and that trauma. And then it wasn't so simple anymore. Then it got confusing. And so they'll try to re-simplify life by trusting this pain and making it part of their lives and and believing in it more than they believe in the, the other side of simplicity of life. You know, the pain has completely shifted, did a 180 to their reality and themselves. And now as we heal, we flip that shit back. And trust, you don't need those people's permission who are still in that flip state, in that, in the upside down. Shout out to the Stranger Things fans. But that's such a good, you know, example. You don't need their validation at all. You don't need anyone's validation. You just got to trust yourself and trust that it can be better. Trust that it will be better. Trust that this is not just all there is to life. You know, those times in bed when you're just thinking, yo, it just can't be like this. It can't, there, it, it, this just cannot be all that there is. And specifically, this cannot just be all that there is to my life specifically. 
that's when you get personal. That's when you start to realize like, yo, I need to change my life. And it becomes about you rather than about everyone else. Yeah. And so this is why harm is so um, um, intricate and, and complicated because certain characteristics we never even thought to judge about ourselves like our true selves. We're now on the chopping block. A chopping block we never even knew existed. We never even experienced Jane, um, Jane or judgment. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep it like that. We never even experienced Jane or judgment before. You know, we were so confused. It completely, it was a juxtap- a complete just juxtaposition of what we knew of being whole and being content and being happy, you know? Because if you think about it, there was a first time you ever looked at your body and been sad, dissatisfied with it. You know, like imagine that. Imagine going from this place where you're just fully satisfied, so satisfied that you don't even have to to say it out loud. You don't even know what it's like to not be satisfied. You know? Woo. This is real, you know, and it's so underlying and it's so hidden. And this is why we need to go through and sift through what we've been through to uncover the pain and also uncover ourselves, our true selves, the selves that we actually are and not this version of ourselves that we've been made and forced to be. And this is why identity crises are so scary, but also why they're so necessary. Because we have to be convinced through all of the smoke and mirrors that seem so concrete, that density seems, whose density seems so thick, that this pain is not us. That it was given to us. That it is an amalgamation of different people's pain that was inherited by you, forced onto you, baggage that was given to you, passed down to hold and believe to be true and the proper way to be and projected onto you by people that also needed to keep up the ongoing belief that their pain was true. They had to create an even bigger reality out of it and get these different people to believe it too so that they could further burrow themselves in their pain. You see that? Like, for real, like, do you see that? Like, look at it, like... There are people that will hurt you and convince you of certain things, not because they're right. And this something, this is something that really tripped me up. As someone who's been raised to believe, to think and believe all adults are right and have your best interests at heart, and that there is a clear, absolute right and wrong that everyone follows, to then come 
to this place of healing and get all these insights where the truth is that people will convince you of certain things just so that they can cope with their own pain. Not because of some rightness, some inner righteousness, solely so they can cope. Isn't that crazy? And I was taken advantage of a lot with this belief growing up. Highly. By my friends. By the adults in my life. By my family. And now, you know, like, I'm this front runner thinker. (laughs) Now I'm this free spirit. And, And that is my authentic self. To be a free spirit, to be a free thinker, you know? And I got here through breaking down those other identities where I was a mule and where I was a victim and where I always needed help, where I couldn't do much by myself, where I couldn't think by myself. Imagine me, imagine me not being able to think for myself. A person who does all these podcasts with insights that she came up with herself. You know, of course, with the help of spirits, but child, this is how pain warps you. This is how, ugh, I can't like, I can't, I can't pound it into your brains hard enough. Like, this is how pain warps you and creates a smoke and mirrors reality that convinces you of bad things and very untrue things about yourself. So many people have put their pain onto us and we have received it in a very specific way for it to be a very specific wound that is unique and personal to us. You know, our body reacted to it in a very specific way that after a while, it starts to feel true and it feels like we're just too far gone to go on and try to believe something else. And in a way it's because deeply we know that our lives will change, you know, but this pain, Ooh, this pain is familiar and humans love and crave familiarity. We don't take too kindly to change. (laughs) So next time you want to beat yourself up for not, you know, being so comfortable to change, blame it on your human biology, child. Blame it on your innate human instincts of like and familiarity. And then move on. (laughs) And so since we like familiarity, we'll try and stay with it to shy away from change. And because the brain has then further normalized its trauma and this new identity that we've acquired out of survival, it may not necessarily feel real, but it feels right. It feels like this should happen. 
You know, this pain, it, it, it feels like it should be a constant. It feels like since it's familiar that that's just the way things should be. And that's just the way that things are. Even though in a deep part of you, it may not feel real and it may feel like bullshit and it may just feel yucky. We will suppress that part of ourselves just in order to stay familiar. I know I did. That's why I had to have a whole spiritual awakening and identity crisis and get triggered into changing, you know? And that goes for a lot of us as well. Because things are not really supposed to be like this. Because underneath it all, like I said, with your brain, your body, and your being knew that this was not right, but your brain couldn't cope with it, you know? And it had to demonize something and it couldn't demonize the caretaker because that would be true traumatic. You would feel so unsafe. And it it had to make you be the wrong one, you know? That's the way that we had to interpret that pain with the tools that we had at the time, you know? And the way we interpreted the pain made it seem like we were wrong and like we needed to change. We needed to be hardened. We needed to get out of the sensitive state that that made us open and vulnerable to get hurt. You know, and how the pain made us feel how gut wrenching and painful this pain made us feel seem to add and validate this assumption that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, this is why a crisis needs to happen. This is why triggers need to happen. Because we have so many things that also have so many ways to convince us that we should be this way and we should hold on to this pain. You know, and ultimately we have to let all this crumble. We have to let all of these assumptions fall. We have to get it snatched away from our hands. We have to get it pried from us. It has to be stripped so that what is under this pain, because there is something under it, because there is something on the other side of it as well, can emerge and we can be us, the true us, the real us, and not defensive and not angry and not so mad and not anxious and not awkward and not so incredibly shy, you know, so that we can be knowing So that we can be in tune and connected to who we are and what we want and what we deserve by being so connected to our authenticity. That's what this is all about. Connecting back. You know? Because for so long, personally, I had to have it snatched away because I believed 
and was convinced that this was my true identity in so many intricate ways. And I was so surprised on this journey and scared and panicked when I saw how it became more and more uncomfortable to be this me, to be this mad person, to be scared, to be a Debbie Downer, (laughs) to be pessimistic, to complain and to be judgmental and anxious and mad. And so as this discomfort with my survival self, my pain self, grew, it facilitated a healing that was happening underneath the surface, you know? It was like a slow earthquake that as I healed and came up to newer and more levels, it became easier to deal with. Because to be honest, that's honestly and truly what healing is. A slow earthquake, an intentional earthquake, a slow tower moment, an intentional tower moment, an intentional breaking down of the surface so that all that is underneath could bubble up and reclaim its space, you know? And so this tower on the surface needed to crumble gradually, you know? So that our real selves could emerge and we could heal, you know, and we get more comfortable with that, with that knowing, with believing in the rainbow and sunshines again, because we know and see and feel that we are not losing our armor, our survival shell to just have nothing, to just be vulnerable and scared again, back in that previous vulnerable and shit um scared space that we were in when we were in pain we're not going back to that you know we're losing something that was not serving us ultimately and we're gaining the greatest reward our light and our sunshine and our rainbows and our sparkles and our color and our pastels again We're gaining our clouds again. We're gaining our glamour again. And what brings life back to our skins and faces again. And all that makes us human. A happy human. And our specific type of human. And we are also gaining ways to protect that person. This new sensitivity. This new vulnerability. Actually healthy ways and tools so that they could emerge. And all these effective protections that can actually suit and serve us at our highest vibrations, you know? And with all of this, we gain. With all of this intentional crises, intentional panic, and this identity crisis, we gain a new life. Because we gain a new identity. And we gain new tools and new interests and new coping mechanisms that actually work. And we gain a new wardrobe and we gain our rainbows, new rainbows again, and the old rainbows. So that we gain a reality that we don't have to heal from and that we use to heal. Woo. 
Woo. So yeah, this is what happens when you're healing, <laughs> especially healing childhood trauma. You know, this is a loose blueprint of what happens. And this is what healing is, you know, continuously shape-shifting your identity as you come more into self, you know, until that identity and your ego is in exact alignment with the self. And this is why it has to happen so that you can both lose yourself, that old self, and gain your true self at the same exact time. <laughs> so that's it. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Don't forget to um follow me on my social medias. Next episode, stay tuned in as I dive even deeper into this topic and speak more um, about the intricate insights that I've gotten concerning the importance of compassion as you transform and using space as a very important tool to aid in following the breadcrumbs and finding the self again. So thank y'all so much for listening. I will hear y'all will see me and hear me and I'll see y'all in the next one. Bye.